Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. Welcome to church. I'm so glad you're with us today. So many guests are with us. Many came for part of our baptism, part of our service that we'll be holding after the service out under the, the carport out there and love for you to stay after church to watch people be baptized. Uh, first service, uh, we baptized, I believe, five people and I think we have another six or seven this service to be baptized. And so you want to be a part of that by just hanging out and watching it be, it'd be great. So we're in a series, finishing a series called Fans and Followers. And so for the last three weeks, I've been differentiating between what it is to be a fan of Jesus or being a follower of Jesus. And fans are those that in some level are following Jesus, but they tend to be only following him when it's convenient or they're unreliable and they're, they, they just, they, they tend to not be consistent in their walk. They, they're not willing to change. And so those are fans, but we want to be followers of Jesus and followers are those who are committed. And this brings me to my sermon title today. Fans are faithful to the end, faithful to the end. Now, to the end. Notice that. Faithful. Listen, we, we need to be faithful to the end. So why do I put that on there? Little parentheses. Because I want to take today's message and use it from a perspective of end times. Perspective of when Jesus comes back. And, and, but the season before Jesus come back. The, the difficult seasons. And the reason I want to use that as kind of a, a platform for the message today isn't because I want to talk about end times but I want to talk about what the Bible teaches us and how we should live during difficult times. Now, I don't know if we're in end times or not. The Bible says we won't know for sure, but I can tell you there are a lot of signs and prophetic words that have been fulfilled that would lead us to believe that we're really close to the end times. But that's not my point today. What I want to do is to teach us how to be faithful through all times, through our season of whatever difficulty may look like in your life, we can take that, the text about end times and learn how to live in our, in our season, in our day. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to take us to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and we'll start with this text here. And it says to mark this. In other words, pay attention is what the author is saying. He's like, hey, you know, write this down, pay attention. This is significant. And the Bible says that there will be terrible times in the last days. Terrible times, terrible times. And so I was thinking about that word terrible as I was kind of jotting my notes down. And often when I see a word that I'm like, what is the, the deeper meaning of that? What, what, is, what is the scriptures and what was the original language and text about that? And, and so I wanted to find out about that word terrible because it can have a lot of meanings. Like, I think it's terrible when it rains on the day I'm supposed to play golf. Like, terrible. And I was like, I don't know if that's what that's talking about. Not, I mean, like, there may be another definition of terrible. So 
So I didn't take Greek classes in college. You know, some amazing pastors went to Bible college. I went to App State. And so, um, woo, you know, but um, I, didn't, I, I took snow skiing. I didn't take Greek classes. And I even took a, bad, a, a badminton class. And, oh, man, it was great. I love badminton, you know, like who would know that was a fun time. So, but it's great for a class, obviously, but um, obviously. But, um, but I wanted to find out about the word terrible. So when I became a pastor, I bought this software that allows me to click on a word and it'll take me to the Greek language, which was the original language that this was written in. And then I can find fuller definitions of a word. And so I started to research that word terrible to get a, a better understanding, you know, mark this like this is important. There will be terrible times in the last days. And then I have the ability to actually look on my software at other places. This word terrible in the Greek where I find it is also used in the New Testament. And so I kind of did a little research and found the Greek word for terrible was found in one other place in the New Testament. And it was referring to a, a, a person who was demon possessed and so it was referring to this, this person that was demon possessed and he was violent. He was, he was a terror to the people. And so I deducted from that, that the word terrible from that other text has to do with a demonic spirit, or may I say a, an anti-God spirit. That is what is tied to that word terrible. So now when I read this verse, I can say it like this. There were terrible anti-God spirits in the times of the last days. There's an anti-God spirit. And so when I understood it that way, it helped me to identify then why it says out of that, all of these different behaviors of people who are influenced by an anti-God spirit. And so I wanna go through those, but you know, sometimes when you talk about end times, people get really quiet. It's, it feels really quiet today and I understand that. Um, you know, you're like, oh no, here we go. You know, the end times preacher, um, he's going to tell us to, you know, like the world's going to fall apart. Listen, I want to lighten the mood. Can I lighten the mood a little bit with a joke? Y'all need a joke. A little joke will help you. Um, so, okay, go with me this, because I, I can feel, I feel very lonely up here for just a moment when everybody's just staring at me. So a Bubba joke, a little Bubba joke. So, um, and I'm from, you know, the mountains. And so I use Bubba as my, my object. So, um, so Bubba was um, in the mountains and pastoring a, a little church down by the river. And so Bubba put up this sign right out front of his church and it said, stop, the end is near. And so he put it out there and he's standing by it and he was, you know, pointing to it when cars would drive by and the end is near, you know, stop, the end is near. And so finally this one guy drove up and he's like, Bubba, you're crazy. You're always putting out all this stuff about the end times and repent and, you know, the world's going to end. And he goes, you're crazy, Bubba. And then he stepped on the gas and he just drove off and Bubba watched him go and he heard this splash. And Bubba looked at his wife and he said, maybe next time we ought to put stop. The bridge is out. <laughs> Thank you for the applause. <laughs> oh, I know that wasn't that funny, but it works. It, it lightens the load, you know, like, hey, we're talking about end time stuff. So listen, a, an anti-God spirit, and this is what, what happens in an anti-God culture. 
And it says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and having a form of godliness but denying its power. And it says, have nothing to do with such people. And, and it's really not saying have nothing to do with such people, but have nothing to do with an anti-God spirit that is leading people's lives in our culture today. When I read through that list though, from my perspective, I can see a lot or all of this happening today in some shape, form or fashion. It's happening everywhere around the world. But if I think about America, I look at, at America and I see we're in a, 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 a morally declining culture. We're in what would be called decadence, you know, like morally decaying time in our culture. And you can go back and just see the, the numbers of believers from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And, and there's been a decline. I read today that only 4% of millennials believe that God is real. And so there's a, a decay that's happening and it, it, there's new levels of pressure upon churches and, and Christians on what you can and cannot say and what you can stand for, what you can't stand for. And, and I just look at all of that and core elements of our society have broken down in our culture. I feel like there's an anti-God culture at work today. I mean, you think about violence and, and murder that is happening in our city streets today. Greater than before, I saw a video that was so disturbing to me this past week and there was an, an 80 plus year old man that was on the sidewalk and four young guys were, were kicking and beating him and he could not defend himself at his age. Like that's, that, is, that is moral decay. I, I, I look at the, the, de, the deconstruction of the nuclear family today. Uh, there is also gender confusion that's happening today. Sexual immorality. I, I did a quick little research on, on sexual immorality in America and specifically in the area of pornography. And I, I, I read that, that during COVID, when the pandemic was at its height and people were at home, that there was a 14% a spike in viewing of pornography. And I read that also that, that many of the pornography sites began to offer their, their material for free because they said they wanted to help people get through the stress of life. My heart goes out to people that are hooked and addicted into that. It's, it's an addiction. And, and, and listen, God has help for that. There's no shame in that. I'm not trying to bring shame in it. Just a reality of where, of where our culture is. I read that 35 percent of internet downloads are porn today. One in five internet searches on Google are for porn. Sexual immorality. Pre-marriage sex before people are married. Like that's probably pretty even unpopular wherever you go today. They're like, what? That's archaic. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, th that's just the view. It's in the Bible though, that there's a, there's a standard, there's a way that God has us to live. Same-sex relationships are, are, are you know, expanding and, and being pushed throughout culture. 
There's a loss of respect for life today in our culture. There are people that are, are fighting for the right to kill the unborn like it blows my mind. It's an anti-God spirit at work. So many divisions among people. And, and when I see that, I see that, in my opinion, we have terrible times. Now, I don't mean like, you know, everything in life is falling apart, but I see a, a demonic spirit at work. I see an anti-God spirit at work in our culture. And so to move forward from this thought, Jesus taught his disciples about terrible times and, and the response to it. And this is where I want to bring us today to understand the response to difficult seasons. So whether it's feels like it's an anti-God or maybe your difficult season. Jesus said this, he said, at that time, and he's referring to end times, he said, many will turn away from the faith. So he's talking about Christians who at some point professed to believe in Jesus, but in these times of difficulties, they go, it's just not for me anymore. They, they turn away. They, 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 they don't have the, the, the tenacity to stay with their walk with God. And it says they, they turn away. It says they will betray, hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And, and you may not be aware of this term, but when it comes to false prophets, there's a whole you know, term, a whole portion of, 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 of our you know, people that are against God, but they're called deconstructionists. And they are deconstructing the Bible. They're, they're wanting to pull out pieces that don't fit modern culture. And they're like, hey, you know, that, that was written by people back in a day before, but it doesn't apply today. And they're just breaking it down. And when people start listening to their teaching, it's causing them to fall away. It's deconstructionist. So it's here today. Then it goes on to say in verse 12, because of the increase in wickedness, Again, I looked up the word wickedness and it means in open defiance of God. And so it says that when there is an increase of, of culture that is an open defiance of God, it says this about believers, about people who profess Jesus. It says the love of most will grow cold. Most, that's a huge word. That means there are a lot of people who will not be faithful to the end. But church, but it says, the one, the few, who stands firm to the end will be saved. Those who are faithful to the end will receive the rewards that comes with being faithful to God. There will be favor and blessings upon those who remain faithful to our God. And I want to just say to you today, starting at me and my household, that we're going to be faithful in the good times and the difficult times. We're going to be faithful when our life is, is feeling like we're on the mountaintops, but the days that we feel like we're in the valley, I'm still going to look to God and go, I am faithful to you. I will serve you. I don't have to understand it. I can even have culture disagreeing with me. That's okay. I don't get my, I don't get my, um, uh, uh, my sense of worth from what people say. It's all from you, God, and I can serve you and worship you regardless of what else is going on in life. Amen. And I want you to know this too, just 
while I'm on it, I'm just going to keep it rolling. As long as I get to pastor this church, which trust me, that's going to be a long time. You're stuck with me. Um, but as long as, as we are shepherding this house, we're going to teach what the word says about marriage, what the word says about immorality, what the word says about gender and what the word says about life. We will not back down when a culture says you must conform to us. Amen. But we're not going to do it in a mean way. I don't want to be mean. I, I, listen, I'm actually, I'm not mad at anybody. Uh, there's there's I, like all those people out there, where, whoever you may think of. And I, I'm not mad at them. Why? Because I understand there's an anti-God spirit at work. I get mad at the spirit. Where do you do your battle? I don't battle with people. I don't have to, you know, get all riled up and go, ah, you're crazy. I think about it every now and then. Trust me, I, I, I'm tempted. <laughs> but listen, I get mad at the devil. You know, I like my spiritual warfare is, is in terrible times that are operating through people as an anti-God spirit. So we know to battle that in a spiritual way. And so we don't have to be mad at people, but we're going to stand. And here's the point that I believe Jesus was making in his statements. That he, he said that in a morally decaying or an anti-God spirited culture, he says that many will turn away from the faith and many will grow cold. The love of God will grow cold, but those who remain faithful will be saved. They'll, they'll endure. And so according to my series that we're in, let me say it this way. Fans fall away. Followers are faithful. Fans can't handle the heat. I say that because I was reading in the Old Testament in Daniel. And there were three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were in an anti-God culture. Nebuchadnezzar had made a decree throughout the land that people would have to bow down to his God and, and worship their, their, golden, their golden idols. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, no, we're not going to do that. And so when all the people bowed, they stood. Interesting. In a culture, you know, every culture feels like it's the end times, by the way. You realize that. I mean, they probably preached it back then, you know, like somehow this got to wrap up. And I mean, you know, every culture has had wars and, and, you know, all this going on. So I don't know if we're special and like this really is the end, but, but I can tell you, we feel like the end. Daniel and his group probably felt like it was the end because when they didn't bow down, the king said, well, I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And they said to the king, they said, you can throw us in the fiery furnace because we're never going to bow down to your idols because our God will save us. And then they said, but even if he doesn't save us, we still won't bow to your God. We'll still serve our God regardless. And I was thinking, I need to tell you, church, that, that just because you stand for God doesn't mean that you're not going to take some hits in life. But you have to make a decision. Will you be a follower through a difficult season, a different cult? culture, even when it doesn't look like things are going your way. So what happened then is the king got mad 
And he told his servants, he said, I want you to turn up the heat on the furnace seven times greater. Like he turned up the heat. And I want you to know, I'm just telling you that there's going to be seasons where the heat gets turned up in the culture and we'll have to decide, can we handle the heat? Followers, we stand strong when the heat gets turned up. And honestly, church, I look at culture and lately I looked at the church as a whole in America. And I'm not sure that the church of America is ready for what could come. I'm not sure the church in America is ready for the heat to get turned up any. I'm not sure the church of America can handle more persecution. And the reason, let me, let me just back. Let me, let me stay in my lane. Let's talk about my, our church. I have the honor of shepherding amazing house. I don't think our church is ready. Let me tell you why. We weren't ready for a pandemic. We went through a pandemic and over half our church did not return after the pandemic. That's a lot of people that, that disappeared. Talk to many, they're not going anywhere. Fell away. Had a conversation with someone who had attended our church for a number of years, was, was a member of our church. And I was on the phone with them. I was like, hey man, you haven't been back to church. Everything okay? What's going on? And, and he goes, oh, you know, life is tough. And, you know, kind of had to, and I said, well, why don't you come back to church? We'd love to see you. And he goes, eh, I'm not coming back to church. And I said, well, did something happen? Like, you know, did I, did I miss an expectation? Was there, and he goes, no, not really, nothing like that. He said, but during the pandemic, when we started watching church online, he said, I tried to flip open my computer and I'd watch it. We'd get our family around. We'd try to watch it, but we felt so disconnected. He's like, it, we just, we couldn't experience God the same way. And he said, I just, he said, over time, we just kind of quit watching because we, you know, we just like, eh. and he said, then in the middle of that, he said, I started questioning whether or not God existed because why would he let such a pandemic happen and so much, you know, pain around the world. Would a good God do that? And he said, so I started researching online and he said, I found some websites that began to tell me that scripture wasn't, was it all true and you couldn't rely on it. And he said, it just, he said, I just started reading and somehow I started believing that. And he said, I'm at a point today that I don't know that I believe in God anymore. And he goes, I don't want to come back to church, not because you did anything wrong. He said, I just don't think there's any value anymore. He said, I don't know if we pray, if there's a God that hears. And he poured out his heart, it broke my heart. And as I listened to that and finished that conversation, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, man, Lord, did I fail as a shepherd in some fashion? Because, you know, some of the flock is gone. Half our flock is gone. And now specifically I'm learning that that the heart of people, there was a, there was a turning away from, from their faith. And, and man, I was a little shook for a moment. 
Of course, I'm a shepherd. You know, I want to be, I want to represent a shepherd like Jesus is the good shepherd. And it said he went after the one, left the 99 to find the one. And like, Lord, I went out for the one. And he said, no, he didn't want to come back. And I was like, wow. So I'm also inspired by that to teach our church how to be faithful. And so I've, I've decided to shape our fall season for a church for our church and, and do some series and teaching that's going to, to strengthen us from the inside so that whatever disruption comes in life again, we're ready. And you know, so I'm not prophesying something bad's going to happen, but listen, at this point, we've seen disruption after disruption. We can almost expect something, but I just want to be ready. I want our church to be ready. Listen, God doesn't want us to be scared of the future. He wants us to be prepared for the future. And I want to prepare this body for faithfulness. And so there are five things that I'm going to lead our church through over the next several months for the fall. And I'm asking you to be present for the fall. Different than any other season of your life, because I believe it's so important to get us strong and faithful through whatever comes and so I want to lead us through these five things. And let me just tell you briefly what those five things are, and then I'll, I'll wrap up our message. But the five things are this. Next week, we're going to begin a series about the necessity of Christian community and what it means to be gathered as a church body. Taking it from Hebrews 10, chapter 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we can spur one another towards love and good deeds. Verse 25 highlighted, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Why? Because all the more. Why? Why do we not need to give up meeting? Because all the more as you see the day approaching, all the more while life is getting harder, you need your friends. You need Christian people around you to encourage you, to lift you up, to pray for you. You need the gathered body. You need to experience worship in the presence of others because it's just unique in God's design to build our faith. Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? No, you don't have to go to church. But I'll, I'll, I'll warn you of this. You are significantly increasing your odds of falling away from the faith without your church body. Second, we're going to increase the level of prayer in our church body. And why? Because out of Luke 21, it says, stay awake at all times. Amen to that. We need people to be awake right now. Stay awake at all times. What's it say to do? Praying. Like praying. Why? Because praying that you may have the strength to escape all the things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Strength. Where we get strength? Out of prayer. We need to be a church that prays more. Listen, we've, we've, we're good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm proud of us. But we can increase that because if we need to be more ready, then we need more prayer. I want to have intercessors that are praying during church services. Like I want to be preaching, knowing there are people somewhere on the other side of the wall praying, tearing down spiritual walls so people can hear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're going to increase our prayer coming in the fall. Amen. 
Number three, we're, we're planning to help people live the victorious and abundant life of Christ. And back to scripture, here's why. It says, but in the day of the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Speaking of the end times, the heavens will disappear with roar. The elements will just be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Verse 11, since everything's gonna be destroyed, it says, what kind of people ought you be? Like, who should we be in last days? And it says here, first specifically, you ought to live holy and godly lives. And so what I want to do as, as pastor is, is lead our church on how to live free from our past and free from our hangups, free from the sins of life, and we can be free from that and live the abundant life of God. That's that holy and godly life that we're called to live. How are we gonna do that? Well, our freedom groups is how we're gonna do it. Hal and Jen were up here and they, they talked about their experience through freedom groups. My experience is it was life-changing. I've been through it. And I wanna encourage you to sign up for a freedom group or any group, all groups are gonna be fantastic. Trust me, you're going to love any group you're part of. This group, though, has the ability, though, to, to bring freedom in your life and help you live the holy and godly life that we're called to in hard times. And so I want you to participate in that. We're going to do that next. So the fourth thing I want to share with you about our church, we're going to emphasize reaching our city. So back to the, the text here. It says, in the last days. And it says, what kind of people ought you be? We ought to live holy, godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed it's coming, speed it's coming. What does that mean? Well, that means we're to reach the lost. That's how you speed the coming of God. Matthew 24, 14 says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. And so our role as a church is to one, strengthen the body, live holy, godly lives, but also be focused on the lost and to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. I believe God is looking for churches like us who will, who will strengthen people and reach the lost. And we need to be those people. And we'll have a sermon series coming up to teach us how we can individually speed his coming. Amen. It's going to be a great fall. I can't wait to dive into some of this and it'll be so fun. We're gonna have a blast this, this fall. I need you to be a part of it though and we're gonna, we're gonna grow together and be strong. The last thing I wanna tell you about coming this fall is we're going to be intentional about increasing the pursuit of the Holy Spirit and miracles and the supernatural move of God. Again, why? Because back to 2 Timothy, 3, 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 5, when he said, mark this terrible times in the last days, down at verse 5, he said, there will be people who have a form of godliness but deny its power. In other words, there's going to be people that go to church, but they haven't been equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit to live out the life God has them called for. So in other words, people are just trying to do their Christian life the best they can. And they're just getting along the best they can, the best they know how. And, and I appreciate that in them. But I want you to know the best we've got isn't enough 
and terrible times. We need the miraculous, supernatural power of God that raised Christ from the dead who is in us to come alive and we submit to him and we experience his power in our life and our church. I want to be a church that doesn't just pray for people to be healed, but we have an expectation that people will be healed and we start seeing his miracles. That's what's coming. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me close with a couple views of text and this is your take home for the day. I'm encouraging you to follow God, not culture. Follow God, not culture. Out of the book of Matthew, chapter 24, it says, as in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So the scriptures are saying, just like it was in the days of Noah, you're going to experience this during terrible times. Verse 38 says, for in the days before the flood, people were eating and they were drinking and marrying and giving in marriage and right up until the day Noah entered the ark. And it says they knew nothing about what was, what would happen until the flood came and took them away. And this is how it will be at the coming of the son of man. And so the text isn't saying don't get married and all that. It's saying that, that culture was just doing its thing, just going along, going with the flow. And everybody was just going with the flow. They weren't paying attention. They weren't awake. They weren't thinking about what is going on. They're just like, well, this is just how it is today. And they're just, they're just rolling along with it. And this text says that we can't be just rolling along with culture. We have to follow God, not follow culture. Because it goes on to say that two men will be in a field. One's going to be taken away, the other left. Two women will be grinding at a mill. One will be taken, the other left. In other words, there's going to be lots of people that have no idea what's going on. Like, we don't know. We're just doing culture. And I want you to know that my job is to prepare our church so that you are awake and you are prepared. Because it says, therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day of the Lord. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known, if he knew when the end was coming or if he knew when the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and he would have not left his house open to be broken into. But verse 44 says to us, he says, be ready. You must be ready because terrible days are coming. Be ready and we can be ready. So from the days of Noah till now and now and to the future, we should be ready. Can I get an amen? amen. So let me declare who we are as a church let me take us to the point where we get to say, that's me, pastor, and this is us. Out of Hebrews 10, 35, it says, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. In other words, in terrible times, do not, do not throw away your trust in God. Don't lose your confidence that God is with you. Don't lose your confidence when, when the world is shaking. Don't lose your confidence in the rock of Jesus Christ. Don't lose your confidence in this. Don't fall away. It's like, don't do it. He says, remember, the verse says, that, that there's a great reward that brings you. Verse 36, 6 says, patient endurance 
which is faithfulness, is what you need now. That's what we need. We need faithfulness to God. We need to be people who say, yes, God, I will serve you through all times. That's what we need now. Why? So that you will continue to do God's will. Listen, I want to do God's will. I want you to do God's will for all time. That's what we want to do. Listen, if, if everything else falls apart, God, I'm still serving you. Then you will receive all that is promised for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay and my righteous will live by faith. God says, I take no pleasure in those who turn away. Verse 38, church, this is us. He says, and I'm just declaring this over us, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones. We are the faithful ones. That's who we are. We say, yes, Lord. We say, God, let this scripture be life to us. And church, listen, I'm not preaching to Noah's time. I'm not preaching to the future when God may come back. Well, he will come back. I'm not preaching to them. I'm preaching to you and me in this time, in this season, in this culture where we make a decision that we are the faithful ones. Listen, when the world goes dark and the world is getting darker and darker, we determine that we will be the light of the world. When others are, are turning away from God, we're turning to God. When people are falling away from God, we are kneeling before God. We are faithful to the end. And by the grace of God, I just want to declare this over you in our house. By the power of God, you are faithful. You are strong. You are loyal. You will continue to do the will of God in your life. You will live a godly, moral, holy life before your Savior and you will make a difference with your life. That's who you are and that's who we are as a church. I declare that in the precious name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Well, followers are faithful. We're faithful. That's what we're called to be. I'm going to release those who are going to be baptized Harriet is going to step out in the foyer and you can meet her out there. She wants to get you prepped for baptism. And so as soon as we finish our service, if you'll go out to the carport and watch our church body, people being saved, it's, I mean, being baptized, it'll be fantastic. I want to close today though, especially today on this series, Fans and Followers. And I want to... I want to give people an opportunity to be a follower of Jesus, to move from a fan to a follower. And I, I want you to understand that, that God loves you. He adores you. We have on the screen, you are loved by God. And listen, it, it has nothing to do with your behaviors, good or bad. He just, he, God is love, he loves. The reality is, is that all of us have sinned and that's what separates us from God. We've all missed it. We've all messed up. And it's that sin that, that puts that division between us and God. And we can't solve it on our own. So Jesus came, it says, and he died on the cross as the only payment for our sin. In other words, he took the punishment upon him. Instead of us being punished, he took it so that we can be free to have a relationship with our heavenly father. And today I want to give you an opportunity to accept God's gift of eternal life by faith. 
And so I'm going to invite everyone to bow their heads. This is an important moment. There are people here that need to respond and say, I choose Jesus today. I want to be saved today. I want my sins forgiven today. And God, I pray that you would touch people's hearts. You'd let them see in their heart they need a Savior today. And now I want all of us to pray this out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I turn away from sin. I turn to Jesus for salvation and forgiveness. I receive him today. Would you fill me with your spirit so that I can serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. God bless you, church.